Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski. How are you today, Coach? Hey, Jim. I'm doing great. I always have fun talking for about 10 minutes before we start recording. And always just good to catch up with you today. Right on. Well, we'd like to begin today's podcast by congratulating our watchers and listeners uh, to making it to Tuesday. Yeah. That uh, these, these drop every Tuesday, and if you're still listening, that means you didn't resign on Monday. So congratulations <laughs> on all of that. And uh, John is going to help us today uh, to to not dread uh, the the days that are ahead, but to but to be prepared and to enjoy them. So John, why don't you introduce us, introduce to us the topic of episode 140? Yeah, sure. And the topic today is is simple. It's called eliminating hurry. Uh, simple topic to uh, understand harder topic to do. Um, (laughs) I I came across this uh, brief uh, excerpt from an article from a New York Times bestselling author. Her name is Rachel Stafford. And uh, and she tells this story about hurry. And I'd like to just share it real quick because I think it sets up our our, our talk together today. She she wrote this. She said, uh, my thoughts and actions were controlled by electronic notifications, ringtones, and jam-packed agendas. Um, And although every every fiber of my inner drill sergeant, I love how she said that, um, wanted to be on time to every activity on my overcommitted schedule, I wasn't. And then she says why, she explains why. She says, you see, six years ago, I was blessed with a laid-back, carefree, stop-and-smell-the-roses type of child. Um, She said, when I needed to be out the door, she was taking her sweet time picking out a purse and a crown. Um, when I needed to be somewhere five minutes ago, she insisted on buckling her stuffed animal into a car seat. Um, yeah. When I needed to cra- grab a quick lunch at Subway, she'd stop to speak to the elderly woman who looked like her grandma. Um, and she said, when I had 30 minutes to get in, the, get in a run, she wanted me to stop the stroller and pet every dog we passed. <laughs> and, and as I read that, I just thought, man, she has kind of captured the life of a leader in in, in some yeah. ways, you know. And, yeah. and I'm wondering, I, I'm pretty sure our listeners and watchers today can relate with Rachel. Um, yeah. You know, Jim, hurry seems to be our national pastime. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, especially where we live in the industrial north you know if you can save four seconds at each station that produces an extra model t by the end of the shift yeah it produces extra you know that the total profits go up by one percent we've been we've been adjusting our life by one percent to be more efficient for 150 years right or 120 years in our area so efficiency busyness the most you can do in the least amount of time is highly prized versus yeah. you go to the south where to have to say good morning takes half an hour here we don't have time for that kind of stuff. We so I I can see where um, we have been programmed to be efficient, you know, over and over again. And then this this poor woman gets introduced to somebody who's a lot more emotionally healthy than she is, and she has to make some decisions. <laughs> a six year old who's more emotionally healthy than she is. Um, yes. You know, and and Jim, I think leaders tend to be hurriers. Uh, yeah. 
uh, you know, we have important tasks to get done, uh, an organization to lead, strategy to develop, a vision to to uh, cast. And I think we, I think a lot of leaders drive fast, eat fast, talk fast, pray fast, uh, yeah. read the word fast, and and often yeah. we miss that still small voice that encourages us to slow down, uh, to yeah. not be in a hurry, you know, to leave God's presence. And and so I guess the question I'd really like us to grapple with today, Jim, is how do we deal with the tension between our task list list yeah. and God's call? to stop hurrying. Um, yeah. And how can we be productive without always being on the move? So the, I guess there's two yeah. questions I'd like us to unpack uh, together today. And I've got, I've got three ideas I'd like us to, to just. Yeah, please. That's okay with you. So here's the first one. Here's the first way I think we can actually accomplish uh, being productive without always being in a hurry. And that is understanding our limitations. Yeah. Understanding our limitations. In Jesus, in, in John 15, 5, Jesus said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Yeah. And then he then he puts this on the end of that. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right. And you read that and it's like smacks you right in the face, right? It's like right. nothing real. I mean, really? Um, yeah. According to Jesus, yes. Um and, and when you read those words, Jim, I think the, the first, I don't know, 20 times I read that passage of scripture, I, I thought to myself, I do all kinds of things without his help. Right. But, I, but, but as I began to think about that, I think, yeah. you know what, who gives me breath? Yeah. Who, who gives me, who give, who gave me the gifts and talents that, that I possess? Who? Who protects me yeah. every day? Who gives me the ability to think, to produce? You know, and and I, and I guess I came to this conclusion. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Every, I think every good thing in our life is a gift from God, whether we acknowledge mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. And, and so understanding that part of the puzzle, you know, like I, I'm a limited contributor to the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of God. God's doing the heavy lifting, right? And I'm Always. I'm a limited contributor. What do you think about this first yeah. one, Jim, in, in helping us yeah. with this reducing the hurry factor in our life? Yeah, I, I think, you know, back to the, the earlier illustration, Henry Ford's building a car. Jesus Christ is building a kingdom. Right. And those are those are built differently. You know, mm-hmm. a, a car can be made by a robot without human hands to some degree. Right. Um, but the kingdom can't. There, there is a meditative quality. There is a connected quality. I, I, if I'm not like Jesus, I'm not building the kingdom. And how do I become like Jesus? But take the time to, to, to stay the connection. So I, in other words, I, I think I can be very busy, but busyness isn't necessarily kingdom productivity. I, I'm producing income for my family at the factory. I'm producing, you know, I mowed lawn in the backyard, but I'm not producing a kingdom on, until I'm connected to Jesus. My and I think a lot of harm has been done where we've gone through motions, Christian motions, uh, detached from Jesus, only to find out later that those words were not attached to a king. They were eloquent. They were powerful. They were motivating. Um, but I think the difference between moving Christian words and manipulating Christian words mm. is the motivation, right, That from which they come. One comes from a person attached to Christ. One comes to a person attached to something less than Christ. So I... 
Yeah, I, I think I think every good and perfect gift. I know it does. As scripture says that, right? Every good and yeah. perfect gift comes down, you know. But I I I think to really produce what Jesus is producing, we we have to be attached to Jesus. We can't, I mean, the Pharisees were parroting, were repeating words that were spoken from anointed hearts, producing what Jesus said, there, there are more children of hell than people who are lost. You know, you make one disciple, yeah, you make them scary. twice the yeah, you make them twice the child of hell that you are, Jesus says. That's that's a, there's no mincing words there, you know. So yeah, if we're gonna produce heaven, then there's only one way to produce heaven, and that's to be connected to the king of the kingdom. So I I I agree, man. If we are not, I, I can do a lot of stuff, but the stuff all gets tested by the fire and doesn't last. The things that last came from my relationship with Christ. Yeah. You know, Period. I've had yeah. Jim, I've had several pastors in the in the in the last few weeks. Uh, tell me that they go to their office to pray uh, because at home they've got kids bouncing off the walls and it's hard to concentrate and hard to focus. And, and, and it was fascinating that almost every one of those leaders told me that they felt guilty in some way, shape or form for praying while they're in the office. They, they felt like they should be working, you know, not not spending time with God. Right. And, and, right. and so I said, you know, um, spending time with God, listening, praying, journaling, reading the word, study. Yeah, you, we, you do those things first for God to do work on the inside of you. However, yeah. you also do those things in a secondary way to hear his priorities for your work. Yeah. You know, what's God saying about? Yeah to you about your team? What's God saying to you about the future? What's God saying to you about your priorities? And, and, and and I, I feel like wherever you can pray, do that. You know, if it's at, if it's at the office, then by all means uh, do that. That is part of your job. And, 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 you know, I, I can hear some pastors saying, well, you know, my people, they pray on their own time. They, and you know what? You would be surprised how many of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, yeah. don't pray at all. And secondly, a lot of people are praying on their way to work or on their way home from work. Uh, they're listening yeah. to scripture. Uh, if they've got a commute, if it, you know, so here's the point. Understand, I think one of the ways we eliminate hurry is by understanding we're not Superman or Superwoman. That man, that God is 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 shouldering the heavy load here. And we're we're connected, and, and if we're connected to him, yeah, then then the load is for us is proper. It's it's yeah. right, it's okay for us to to punch out for the day because we realize even when I punch out, God's still moving. He's still moving the ball down the field. Right. Yeah. I, I, and it's funny, John, I I don't, I don't know who would say that to a pastor. You, you shouldn't be praying at the office. I, and maybe there are people, but let's face it. The the person who say that probably has another problem and you're not the problem. You're the recipient. You're being punished for somebody else's sins. Um, But pastors are telling themselves that. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't tell me that somebody told them they shouldn't do that. They right. them, they were telling themselves. Yeah. No, I, I think I think the phrase I would use to pastors that feel that way is shame off you, <laughs> not on you. Shame <laughs> off you. You know, I, I 
I can't imagine a congregation saying, I can't believe my pastor spent 10 hours in prayer this week. We don't pay him to pray. Of course you do. You know, <clears throat> of course you, you pay him to pray. You pay him to study the word. You pay him to write messages. You pay him to care for people. That, that care comes from someplace. I, how dare he care for his own soul and the souls of his congregation? You know, shame off you. That's, that's not, that's, uh, I, I think you're listening to the wrong voice and it might even be a demonic voice if, if that's what you're believing. Right. But, uh, and if it is, if somebody did say that to you, it's usually the 1% to 3% that wants to make them sounds like 51%. So right. they can manipulate and control. So you shouldn't be listening to that voice anyway. It's pray. Pray wherever and whenever, however you can, because right. being connected to God is everything. Yeah. And, and this next this next piece, this next key, I think, to eliminating hurry really is a is a play off this first one. Yeah. Understand limitations. Secondly, understand first love. Yeah. Huge. Understand why you signed up for this in the first place. <laughs> Don't, yeah. don't forget it. In, in, yeah. in Revelation chapter two, Jesus says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. Yet I hold this against you. Yeah. You have forsaken your first love. And that verse of scripture scares me. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it scares me because it's, you know what? I can do the right things. You can do the right things, Jim, but lose our yeah. love for Jesus at the very same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thought as I was thinking about this second one, Jim. I, I, I believe this that hurriedness competes with love. Mm-hmm. Hurriedness yeah. competes with love. And yeah. often hurriedness wins. Yeah. You know, we race through our day, uh, we speed through our time with the Lord. We speed through conversations with people. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that works vertically or it happens yeah, vertically, but, it, but also yeah. horizontally too. And, and yeah. what do you think about that thought that hurriedness competes with love? Yeah. I, I think there's certain things you can have at stack. You know, you talked about while you're driving to work, you're listening to the Bible or you're listening to a podcast or a sermon or something like that. I think that's a good, that's a good example of proper habit stacking. Mm-hmm. Instead of sitting in a quiet car doing nothing, listening to talk radio that produces nothing. Right. You know, but how do you habit stack a marriage? You know, a, another covenant relationship that requires significant commitment, right? How do you, right. you know, I'm going to mow the lawn. I want you to run next to the lawnmower and we're going to have a conversation together. You can listen to a podcast if you have an electric lawnmower. I suppose you can hear it. You know, you can, but I, I think habit stacking relationship, there's a certain devotion that's required for a covenant. That's beyond duty. Mm-hmm. It's it's a covenant relationship. So if there isn't that date night or that that your time, you know, quote your time unquote uh, in your relationship, then you just can't have it stack intimacy. You know, you just mm-hmm. can't. It's that I think the that's beloved good. will feel uh, unbeloved. <laughs> They'll feel yeah. betrayed. You know, you're distracted right now. I don't have your full attention. Yeah. You, ever, you ever talk to a child that wants to be loved and you're doing something and they grab your face? And they, you know, like I'm, I'm, Papa, listen to me. You know what I mean? And I, my, my grandkids do that when I'm looking at the other one and the dog and they say, you know, I'm talking to you. I want a sandwich. And right. I, I, I don't think Jesus grabs our face, but I, I think that is a, our, our grandkids or our kids are telling us something that you're, you're, you're here, but you're not here. 
you're not hearing me. You're not paying attention to me, you know? So I, I think that's it. We get so busy in the work of the ministry that we, we forget the Lord of the ministry is not uncommon. I, you know, back to prayer, how often do pastors pray and study the word outside of sermon preparation, mm. you know, versus what is their devotion time? I think it's a, it's a fairly striking, um, significant statistic, as I understand it, that most of the time what we're doing, when we're praying is preparing for ministry, not, not receiving it, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, you know, and I think I don't want to go too far down this path, Jim, but you brought up an interesting point. I do think that when we're prepping a message or a talk, that really that passage has to work on us first, right? And yes, so I absolutely. Do, and I do think there is, so I do think there can be this like personal piece of sermon prep, right? Or hey, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the first five verses of John 17 we're gonna I'm gonna unpack that but before I I I start writing about all this stuff I'm gonna unpack that between me and Jesus and Jesus what are yeah, you speaking to yeah. me in my own life about this what does it mean to glorify you yeah. know Jesus is, is praying his his high priest priestly prayer his intercessory prayer there in John 17 yeah. he talks about glorifying his father and you know how, what does that mean in my own life God you know where am I where, where am I doing that well? Where, where am I falling yeah. short? How can I, how can I uh, start connecting and letting that passage work on you? I think, I mean, I like that thought process around it. So, but if, yeah. if the only time I'm in the word is, and it's Saturday night and dude, I'm struggling here. You know, I've got, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not remembering who matters most in all of this. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think that's the the nail on the head right there. I'm I'm forgetting, like you said, I'm forgetting why I'm doing this and who I'm doing this for. And maybe not in that order, who I'm doing this for and why I'm doing this. Yeah. And and man, if your why isn't greater than your what, there there is there's not a what satisfying that what we do will never be satisfying unless we know why we're we're doing it. That that's where it really comes from. I would uh yeah, I I, I totally agree with that statement. So, so if you're listening or watching today and you're struggling with always feeling like you're rushing, you know, you're always hurting, yeah. hurrying, first thing is to understand that God created you with limits, that there are limitations. Secondly, yeah. understand first love. Fall back in love with Jesus if you need to. Um, understand that 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 is the most important relationship. And I know that I'm saying this and everybody's going, well, Dodge, I've heard this forever. Yes, yeah. I've heard it forever too, but there's a big difference between knowing that and doing it. And so yeah. it's it's not yeah. what you know that really helps you eliminate hurry. It's what you do with what you know. Yeah, always. And this will help you because I often <clears throat> hear God speaking to me, Jim, saying, John, slow down. Yeah. John, get shh. He doesn't say shut up. Right. I think he's rude that way. Yeah. But it's like, John, shh, you know, quiet. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. And your and your agenda, your schedule, your your checklist for the day is getting in the way. Yeah. Um, so understand first love. Let me give you one more, Jim. And it's yeah. uh, thirdly, understanding leverage. And and some people hate that word leverage. They think it's a business word. They think it's a it's a, a, a I'm going to explain what I mean, and hopefully nobody will be offended after we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. That unhurried time with God 
and with people actually produces energy, ideas, and solutions that we could never dream up on our own. Absolutely. Uh, how many times has God shown you, Jim, how to tackle a challenge yeah. while you waited patiently in his presence? Yeah. Or when you collaborate with your team and, yeah. you, see, and, and you see creativity just emerge, right? Yeah. That's what I mean by leverage. It's, it's yeah. when, I'm, when I'm not a hurried person, either in my vertical relationship with God or my horizontal relationships yeah. with people, actually, there's a tremendous amount of production that yes. comes out of that. W- would you respond to that, Jim, or comment on that? Yeah, I, I, if you want to plan your year, like, let's take 52 weeks of Sundays. We're going to plan out whatever. Uh, you know, if, if you do that in an office setting between nine and five, I think you'll, you will do, I don't think you'll use it. I think three or four or five months into it, you'll say, I, this doesn't fit anymore. You'd have to, but if you went away and took the first day off and sat by water, sat by fire, sat by things that are distracting, but not entertaining, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they'll, they'll get your attention, but but they won't, they won't absorb that part of your brain that is thinking about anything like a TV show would or, you know, right. a newscast or something and still yourself and, and be quiet. And the next day, get out your Bible and pray and, and, and listen to God and get inspired by something. And then based on that inspiration, now plan your year. I, I think you'll use 80% of what's on that calendar versus mm-hmm. 30, 40% of what's on that calendar. You, you, yes, it took two days or three days to do that, but you just produced almost a year's worth of ministry out of two or three days because you you took the time to slow down, get rid of distractions, focus on the Lord, hear what he's saying, and begin to write what you hear. Uh, you, you've produced something a lot more reliable than what are the what are the best sermons of last year? How do I, uh, you know, those are... It's it's not inspired, and I think it, I think if the if the speaker is not inspired, his speech is not inspirational. Mm. If you're not like you said, if it doesn't, if the if the text doesn't speak to you first, right. then you're and I, no offense to college professors, but if you're teaching through material uh, for some sort of a test, it's very different than if you're saying I was walking down the road last week and I saw a dog, you know, and and you're and and the Bible opened up to you, and now you're using that illustration. Well, now they're now. They're they're looking for what you've seen versus right. trying to you know repeat what they've been told. Completely different things. And again, five sermons that have changed your life, it's hard to think of. But five people that have changed your life, very easy to think of. So why why is that different? There's there's time, there's listening, there's speaking, right. you know. So Jesus is listening. Take the time. Uh he's speaking. Take the time to listen. I right. I, I agree. This is so rudimentary, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't have to be said in some ways, but I think we sneak into this area and it becomes our norm. And then we kind of lose our passion and we're, right. we're on autopilot. Now we're building Model T's instead of building the kingdom. And this is a reminder to say, hey, hey, first love, if you're not doing it, if this isn't the fruit of relationship, then what's left is it's the fruit of religion. And man, the world's sick of that fruit. They they really need people that have been with Jesus and come out with their face glowing. And yep. nobody minds the Ten Commandments as long as your face is glowing when you give it, right? <laughs> long as long as the commandments were etched by the finger of God, we're all okay with those Ten Commandments. But you know, with, without it, it's three ways and four keys to an eight pillars of. Come on, mm-hmm. nobody's listening to eight pillars of. You know, so it's got it. This this talk today came from your your experiences with Jesus. Am I right? It yes. came from what you've learned by doing this. It's so it has a different effect on people than 
Right. Uh, you know, Lifeway Research says eight out of ten pastors. I mean, that, that's information, but you're you're saying I live this way, and I'm I'm speaking as a father to sons and daughters. Live this way, yeah. so I, it has a different a different authority than uh, than it would if it was research based or information based. Right. And Jim, I, I've I've had uh, times and seasons where I haven't lived this way. Now, I've uh, not that yeah. I haven't spent time with God. Um, I've, that's never really been a struggle for me. Um, yeah, God has just given me the grace to not have yeah. to struggle with that, and it's wonderful. But I would yeah. say that there have been seasons where I've been rushing, and yes. I, I yeah. have been like, God, I got like I got six appointments today, man. I got I gotta yeah. I gotta pray, I gotta read some stuff, I gotta think about <laughs> it for a minute, and I gotta go. And uh, yeah. and you know what? Occasionally, I think God gives us grace, right? And He's sure. Oh, if that's, yeah. if that's yeah. a steady diet, then I think I'm I'm not I'm not doing what we're talking about today. I'm yes. hurrying. I'm even yeah. hurrying God up, uh, which I don't think is a good strategy. So, so Jim, I'd like to wrap it up with this thought that the yeah. hurried life is a harried life. Yeah, yeah. And if Absolutely. you're always if you're always hustling and hurrying, we want to encourage you to decelerate, uh, yeah. to, to be still. And wait yeah. in the king's presence. Take time yeah. to enjoy quiet moments <clears throat> with him. Let him tell you. Let him tell you what to put at the top of your yeah. to-do list. And what to remove from that list as well. Uh, yeah. and treasure time yeah. with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, with your yeah. grandbabies. First things first. You know? Yeah. And and first things only, first. Not only will your life be better, you're gonna enjoy your journey more. And I think you'll actually end up uh, getting better outcomes yeah. over the long haul living that way. So, Jim, this, those are my thoughts for this session. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks, John. Thanks for the reminder. Thanks for the wisdom, the experience, and the heart behind it. And we just like to say it here at the end here, everybody that's watching and listening, that you know, if you're like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I, I, I agree. I need to eat broccoli, but I don't know how to cook broccoli. I don't know where to find broccoli. I don't know how to buy broccoli. I don't like broccoli, then that's what that's when you hire a nutritionist to help you understand that there's another way to eat broccoli besides putting up the cheese all over it and ruining the effects of broccoli. So it, it's we have we, we've dealt with enough people, helped enough people that we can help you schedule this time in a way that your blue collar, you know, factory working, you know, hey, that's not fair. I have to pray at five o'clock in the morning. You don't pray till eight o'clock when you get to the office. We, we can help you with that. We can right. we can help even teach your board how important it is you have this yeah. time. So Sometimes that third confirming voice or that outside expert, you know, a man from out of town with a briefcase shows up and helps your board understand or whatever it is. We can help you craft a fruitful, healthy life. That's what coaches do. And that's what Converge, one of the things that Converge does really well. So if you'd like to hear more about this and, and take some time, go to convergecoach.com yes. and convergecoach.com and there'll be a set up an appointment. There's a link there. It's real simple. In 30 minutes, we'll sit down. And at the end of the 30 minutes, you're like, hey, I think these guys can help me. Or, hey, I, I, I think I got this on my own. Or, hey, I, I realize I need more help than, than this. We'll help you figure that out. Yeah. No cost to it. Just want to help you because if you are healthy, the odds of your marriage being healthy, your children being healthy, your congregation being healthy, they explode. If you're unhealthy, all those things implode. So you take care of you. Put your oxygen mask on first. And we'll help you do that. So God bless you. And we'll talk to you again. See you again soon as you continue to lead from alignment.